Hey, good morning, everybody. I was telling John this morning that this is probably nothing compared to the winners of Buffalo, New York. Uh, This was simply a dusting uh, yesterday. Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for braving the weather. Thank you for those who are joining us online streaming. Uh, Welcome to all of you. Uh, Today, uh, as we continue in our sermon series of the book of uh, Psalms, uh, we're looking at Psalm 1 this morning, and it's about influence. We're, we're influenced by all sorts of things in our lives. We're influenced by our family of origin, family upbringing, customs, traditions, rituals, whatever. We're influenced by those uh, teachers in our lives. We're influenced uh, by friends. We're influenced certainly by news, uh, the type of news uh, that we tune into, we're influenced on social media, uh, through the internet, we're influenced in advertisements, we're influenced in all sorts of ways, we're even influenced by the weather, whether or not we want to get up or not, or no, weather uh, outside uh, affects our mood, we're affected by hunger, Maybe the cravings that we have, maybe uh, influences where we want to eat or what we want to eat that day. But we have all kinds of influences in our lives. And hopefully you've had some influence here from our church and being influenced by Jesus Christ. All of these influences in our lives either can give us a trajectory towards God or away from God. Then um, they can affect us either positively or negatively. So I think this is one of the reasons why I decided to teach a Christian formation class this semester called Faith and Logic, because it's important for us to understand the truth. God is the author of all truth and be able to discern when we, are, when we encounter fallacies. Fallacies are sometimes hard to detect, but it's important for us to understand the truth and come to a logical conclusion which is based on truth. And this is why I think Psalm chapter 1, spoiler alert, because I think I already told you that, this is what we're going to go over this morning, Psalm chapter 1. Now it is the first psalm of a collection of psalms, and it is speaking in timeless truths that we can still apply to our lives today. Truth in lending, some of you don't get my humor. Some of you do not get my humor. It's not lost on me, okay? I will throw out a joke or try to make some kind of reference, and it just flies over the head of some of you. Not all of you. Some of it, it hits every time, but for some of you, it hits none of the time. And I understand this. This morning, I'm going to try to make references or include some things that I think will hit every generation because it's it's hard. uh, Next slide, please. It's hard to connect with every generation. 
It's, it's not lost on some of you in this slide, right? Some of you get this reference. Some of you have no idea what this is, and that's okay. But it's hard to connect sometimes with all the different generations in this church. But I'm going to try to do my best to try to connect with every generation here this morning. I think that this sermon this morning is going to stick with you. Because what Psalm 1 is talking about is timeless, And it's something that every single one of us can do, and it's something that we can all incorporate into our lives, regardless of our age. So let's get into this passage this morning. Psalm 1. Blessed or blessed is the one who does not step with, uh, who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on, uh, shoot. <laughs> but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His laws day and night? That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked; they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. This is all referring to the same thing. Those people that we surround ourselves with influence us. It influences us. And we're reminded by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 through 34, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some of you who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. Now, I can tell you from personal experience that throughout my life, I have surrounded myself with some people who have not had the best character. And especially growing up, I have surrounded myself with people who were not of high moral character, and it had a great deal of influence on me. And sometimes I was the one with bad moral character who was having influence on those around me. But we are influenced by those who we surround ourselves with. Either we can be led towards a trajectory towards God, or we can be led in a trajectory away from God. And since I work as a chaplain in the army part-time, sometimes I think it's refreshing to be around a bunch of non-Christians. I say it's refreshing because the people that I encounter on a, on a frequent basis, on a regular basis, who are not Christians, don't put on a fake facade and try to pretend like everything is great and wonderful that I think sometimes we in the church are really good at just putting on a happy face. Everything's fine. Everything's good. Oh, yeah, how's your day? It's good, you know. You rarely, now people that you encounter, you know, who have encountered me on Sunday mornings, you always ask me, hey, how are you doing? How many times have I heard, how many times have you heard me say, oh, I'm good? It's, it's very infrequent at best. Sometimes I'll say I'm okay. Sometimes I'll say I'm decent. 
But I'm, I'm, I don't try to put on a fake facade. Sometimes I do for the sake of not bringing everybody down, you know, the joy killer over here. But hanging out with some of these people in the army, they wear their emotions and how they're feeling on their sleeve. They don't tiptoe around um, how they really feel about things. And that's refreshing because it takes the guesswork out of my job. I don't have to guess how they're doing. They don't even change their language when they're around me, sometimes very colorful language. And they know I'm a chaplain, and yet they still talk normally the way they would. Maybe if some of you walked, here, uh, walked in here on Sunday mornings and started talking like you do at work or at school, maybe it'd be a little refreshing to me too. So feel free next week to come in. No, I'm just but sometimes being in the army, I understand that it is a dark world. And hanging out with people who are not Christians, wherever our spheres of influence are, it feels like it can be a very dark world. And yet, we don't have to be influenced by that darkness. In fact, the very opposite, we recognize that we have the light of Christ that lives within us, that dwells within us, that casts out darkness. The projection of Christ's goodness projects outward. But we are influenced, and you have influence in your life, wherever you are, in your school, your retirement communities, your organizations you, you belong to, your, your civic organizations, your clubs. When you go to Walmart, when you go to Dillon's or, or wherever you're going to go shopping at, the people that you encounter at work, you have influence in their lives and they have influence in your lives. So the question this morning is, are you having more of an influence on those you encounter or are they having more of an influence on you? Are you being more influential in the lives that you encounter? Are you being influenced more by them? Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that it gives light to everyone in the home. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're also reminded in the Gospel of John chapter 1, 4 through 5, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of Christ is always going to prevail over darkness. The light of Christ is always going to prevail over darkness. And we're going to not take that light and put it under a bushel, no. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. That's a shout out to everyone who's 45 and older who sang that song in church growing up, okay? So I've hit your generation. There it is, this little light of mine, okay? But the psalmist continues, 
And he contrasts what not to do by telling the reader then what to do, which is to delight in the law of the Lord and to meditate on God's law day in and day out. And FOMO. FOMO. Shout out to anyone who's 35 and younger or any teenager out here. Maybe if you're under 45, you get this. Fear of missing out, FOMO. The fear of missing out. It's a struggle sometimes because sin feels so good at times temporarily. Sin is sometimes difficult to avoid because it does give us pleasure even if it's momentarily. If sin did not feel good, none of us would ever do it. Let's be honest. None of us would ever do it if sin didn't feel good momentarily. And sometimes this fear of missing out on what other people are doing detracts us away from meditating on the law of the Lord and meditating on God's law day in and day out. God's law, his protection, what we are supposed to be meditating on day and night actually keeps us and prevents us from going down into a life of destruction. It's to prevent us from going down into an area of our lives that we know are going to be destructive, not helpful. That's what God's law and his precepts are designed to do, is to keep us out of trouble for our own sake. It's not to keep us from missing out on what everybody else is doing. We want to be on a trajectory towards pleasing God and not moving away from the thing, or moving towards the things that displease God. In fact, when we do these things, the psalmist reminds us in verse 3 that that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. This fruit that is produced in season is pleasing. When we find fruit on a tree that is good, we want to eat it. For some of you, you know, maybe some of you avoid fruit, but I love a fruit salad. We had fruit salad on Thanksgiving. I had fruit salad the next day. I love fruit salad. Love some good fruit. And the fruit that is produced is pleasing. It's something that we are drawn to. It's what other people are drawn to as well. Well, this tree is planted by streams of water. It doesn't say this tree is planted by any kind of water. It's planted by streams of water. This water that is carried by a stream is new every single day. There is a refreshness. There is a renewal that streams of water bring. Maybe your translation says rivers of water or living water, but there is a nourishment that is continuously flowing that is giving nourishment to the roots of this tree. There's a constant flow. When we are planted, when we are grounded, when we are focused, we're connected to the source and whatever that tree does, whatever we do, prospers. Why? Because it is the living water. It is God's word that is rushing through us that we are connected to day in and day out that is bringing us that renewal, that is bringing us the refreshment, the nourishment. So how are we doing today of being connected to that source of living water, the stream of water? 
Are we in a Bible study? Are we studying the Bible day in and day out? Are we meditating on it? Are we connected in a discipleship group? Are we connected to a Bible study? Are we attending Christian formation classes, getting fed and and practicing and experiencing the things that we are being taught? Are you finding an enjoyment and renewal of the fulfillment of the living water? Are you connected to the water that is bringing you life day in and day out? Meditating on God's word day in and day out is like a tree planted by streams of water that is continuous, sucking in that new water every day. And in verse 4, it says that those people who are not are like chaff, that the wind blows away. They're basically dead. They're away from the stream that brings that refreshness, that renewal. They are not connected. And how do they fare? In verse 5 through 6, it says, The wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. There is nothing that a wicked person can do apart from God. There is nothing that we can do as Christians apart from God either. God is the source. God is the provider of everything good. And I think this is where we sometimes, I think where we need to pause with FOMO. Sometimes I think FOMO leads to jealousy. Sometimes FOMO leads to discontentment. Because we see what other people are doing in this world, and we can look at their lives and all the things that they have and all the stuff, and we can get a little jealous. We can get a little resentful when we look at what we don't have. We can look at the marvelous things that are stuff. We can look at stardom, you know, the the generation of 26 and below, want to be rich and famous. That is a trend. I want to be an influencer. I want to I influence other people online. I want to have my own YouTube channel, my own Instagram. I want to be able to make videos of myself, and I want to be popular. I want to get rich, and I want to be known, and I want to be seen by other people. And it's hard not to get caught up in that life. Now, shout out to my generation. I'm going to quote Cypress Hill. Maybe some of you have heard of this group, Cypress Hill. They were a lyrical group that was really popular in the early to mid-90s, but they were around long before that. They had a song called Rock Superstar. And it, and it, it kind of goes like this. If you want to be a rock superstar, I don't even have to look at my notes since I already know this, right? If you want to be a rock superstar and live large, a big house, five cars, you're in charge. You gotta, you're coming up in the world. You can't trust anybody you got to look over your shoulder constantly. They go on to say that there is a price that you pay for stardom. There is a price that you're going to pay for chasing after these dreams to be this big star. And ultimately, it's going to lead to a lot of bad things in your life that you weren't planning on. That when you are connected and you're focused on stardom and being so big, and your trajectory goes away from God, you're going to end up being miserable because the only true source is Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not sure Cypress Hill came to that same conclusion in their song, but that is the conclusion I'm coming up with this morning. 
And Jesus says in the gospel of Mark chapter 8, 34 through 37, when he had called the crowds around him with his disciples, he said, whoever wants to be one of my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will say, and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The answer, of course, is nothing. We can't do anything to exchange our life or our soul. There's nothing. Why would we want to gain the entire world and yet forfeit our soul? The answer is, of course, we wouldn't. Why would we? But there's that temptation, the FOMO, the fear of missing out. We must deny ourselves and stop thinking that we are missing out on what everybody else is doing and remain with a steadfast focus towards the things that are pleasing to God. We have to share the good news of eternal life to other people and let them see that there is so much more life and life more abundantly if you are connected to the streams of water that God provides for us. That life is actually so much better when we meditate and we follow God's precepts, meditate on God's precepts. This was the case of the rich young ruler in Mark uh, 10, 17 through 22. He had everything. In fact, he was obeying the law, and he said to Jesus, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him. He's like, well, I'm doing all these things. He says, well, you still lack one more thing. Why don't you sell everything and then come follow me? And he's like, "Mm, I don't think I'm ready to do that. Still holding on to those things in our life and not wanting to give everything up for the sake of Christ. I want to close with this passage, and it doesn't mean that I'm over Okay, it doesn't mean that it's over after this. So there's still a good eight, ten minutes afterwards. Okay, so stick with me. But I'm going to close with this. Huh? Okay. It's from John chapter uh, 15. And I'm going to, it's 1 through 17, but I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 8. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. If you are already clean because of the word of God I have spoken to you, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We can't fool ourselves into thinking that we really have anything to offer this world or anything to offer to God on our own. I'm reminded constantly in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, For I know 
that there is no earthly good that dwells within me, that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Now, sometimes I am not seeking God. Not every single day, but sometimes I don't seek God. I just go throughout my day just milling about without much thought of God. Now, it's a confession of mine. I'm sorry that your pastors should be in tune with God every single moment of every single second of the day. Sometimes I struggle with that, and I go throughout my day without acknowledging God, and yet God still uses me despite myself because I have nothing good to offer on my own. It's only through God in me that I can do anything right. Now, that should not be my default. That should not be our default, that God uses us despite ourselves. It's just to simply recognize that apart from God, we can do nothing. And when I look at the things that are going on in my life, I can say, you know, those things were made by human hands. This was kind of on my own effort, but I didn't really acknowledge God in that. But yet God still uses those things. Again, that should not be our default. Sometimes God does work through us despite ourselves. But when we are grounded and rooted in the streams of water, when we're choosing to meditate on God's word day and night, we will produce fruit. And the things that we will do prospers. We have to experience that renewal We have to experience that renewal, the joy, the refreshness that only God provides. That we have to experience this in our lives day in and day out. Planted by streams of water because it is for our benefit that God created us this way. He created us to crave him this particular way. Now sometimes I work out. I don't work out all the time. But sometimes I work out. And when I do, I sweat a lot. It's uncanny how much I sweat during my workouts. And sometimes I'm not even doing that much, and I just start sweating. Some of you have seen this in me and perhaps laugh at the amount of sweat there is. And I'm hunched over, I'm huffing and puffing, and I look around at other people that are working out, and they're just, oh, you know, things are fine. And I'm just hunched over. My heart rate is, uh, you know, shooting out the roof. And I am just sweating mess on the floor. Nothing. I I give it all. And I'm exhausted. After my workout, if I don't refresh myself with like two bottles of water, and I don't mean like a little bottle of water, I mean like a canister of water. And if I don't eat something nutritious soon after my workout, I start to feel it in my body. My body kind of starts to shut down. I get a little shaky. I get a little hangry. You know about hangry? Shout out to anyone 45 and younger. Hangry. Hungry, angry. But I notice that if I don't take care of myself and refresh myself after my workout, my body starts to shut down, and this is how it is for our lives spiritually. If we are just constantly running throughout our day without acknowledging God, if we are not being connected to the source, the renewal, the streams of water, if we're not meditating on God's word day in, day out, our spirit begins to feel it. And if we go too long without experiencing that renewal, that refreshment, we forget how good it is to be reconnected to the source of living water in the first place. 
We forget, but once we come back and we experience that refreshness, that renewal, ah, man, it felt good to spend time with God today. Ah, it felt so great to be in worship today. Ah, it felt so good. And I'm not trying to say you have to look for the feelings. That's why we incorporate the spiritual disciplines in our life, because it keeps us from forgetting to spend that time with God, to be renewed, to constantly come back to him day in and day out, to meditate on his word day in and day out. We practice our spiritual disciplines because we have to be reminded. We have to remain disciplined in our lives so that we don't forget. Sometimes it doesn't come naturally to us, and so we discipline ourselves into doing that. Now, earlier this week, I think it was on Monday, I was going through my uh, regular Bible reading for the day, and I came across Galatians. Now, I had read Galatians many times before, but this one was really convicting. Chapter 6, verse 8 through 10, it says, Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We have a choice. We can either choose to have a trajectory and a mindset of doing the things that please God, the things that are from our spirit, or we can choose to please ourselves and our flesh, and chase after the things of the world, which will eventually bring us misery and dissatisfaction. A tree cannot produce fruit on its own, and it has to be connected to the water. We cannot produce any fruit in our lives if we are not connected to the source of living water either. And our spirit craves it, and our spirit desires it. And so we need to be reminded to come to God day in and day out, meditating on his word day in and day out. Then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Our delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, we meditate day in and day out. We are going to be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever we do prospers. Remember, we are carrying the light of Christ in our life, and we are going to shine that light to others so that they may see our good deeds and worship our Father in heaven. It is to God's glory. We don't worry about what everybody else is doing. We're not going to fear of the missing out of the things of this world, we're going to have our trajectory and our mindset on the meditating on God's word day in and day out. Then we'll experience that refreshness, that renewal. And I would encourage everybody to maybe start incorporating some of those spiritual disciplines in your life and experience that renewal that the streams of water bring into your life. Let's pray. God, we're grateful uh, to have heard your word today, to hear the scripture passages, not only in Psalm 1, but in the other scripture passages that coincide with Psalm 1, that bring us truth, help us to become renewed and refreshed by your word. Let us crave that, just as our body craves water and nourishment as well, God, our soul craves connection with you. So wherever we are today, God, spiritually, whether we've been operating on our own for a long time without much acknowledging 
of you. Help us to change that mindset away uh, from missing out, but God, that we would find an enjoyment and a satisfaction that is only felt in you and through you. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.